Okay, here we are. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, at the uh, Certified Master Chef's Reception Dinner in the Broadmoor property and Cheyenne Lodge. This is such a treat to be here, Jay. I, it doesn't get much better than this, Greg. I mean, how, how could you? And we're going to introduce him to the show right now. Okay. Certified Master Chef. I mean, really the godfather of the whole thing. And Ferdinand Metz, how are you, sir? Good to catch up with you. I'm doing very fine. In fact, uh, this kind of gathering takes me back, I would say, to 1982, 81, where I started the Master Chef program in America. Yeah, I was going to start yeah. with that. Starting- I was uh, president of the Culinary Institute of America. And coming from Europe, I was keenly aware of the fact that European chefs, I'm one of them, looked down on American chefs. And let's be honest, there was some good reason for that, and there was some not good reason for it. The good reason was that there are many uh, chefs, and you know the image that the American public has of chef. Here's a guy in a short sleeve shirt, a pack of cigarettes, a lucky strike, uh, uh, up in his sleeve and no professionalism not there were no standards so we started the apprenticeship program I started that started the certification program and then the master chef program so you saw a need and you said I'm going to fulfill this need and maybe what take the image of the American chef and and blend them together to to kind of soften or classy up the American image and then bring the uh, European model and maybe give a little bit of more edge to it well, where, where, do, how, where does that fall what I saw was First of all, a a firm belief that Americans have the same talents, uh, the same ambitions, the same needs uh, for recognition than any other chef in the world. But what they didn't have is structure. There was no apprenticeship, there was no certification, there was no master, there was nothing. So any chef called himself a chef could uh, say, you know, I'm a chef. Well, how do you prove that? There was nothing there. No certification, no documentation, nothing. So when we started that, it was a rocky road because for the first time we asked people across the United States to put their uh, reputation on the line and not just put it on the line, document it, do the testing and, and really show that you have met that particular level of certification. Now you've struck a nerve because I say to Jay every week on the show I say I'm a chef I'm not a, I don't have any formal training and and it made you chuckle there there's a need because if you're a surgeon right. you're going into the operating room you better have some certification <laughs> ideally the need to, yeah. uh, really yeah. the the, yeah. the ability but it's not an easy thing did you did you not want it to be easy to go through the the apprenticeship of course not in fact we may I did two apprenticeships in Europe, but in the Master Chef program, I wanted it and designed it in such a way that any European could not say, "Oh, this is easy." We made it harder, and the people that you see around this room now, they have met the criteria, and unfortunately, I have to say that, and it, it kind of haunts us that uh, we don't have enough people yet. I mean, for a country like this to have now 70 master chefs, not enough. Can we talk about that? Sure. Um, I think you're absolutely correct. So, certified master chef, um, eight days, 130 hours. 
grueling course from what I understand. But let's face it, the certified master chefs that are amongst the colleagues, a little bit older, right? Correct? Infusing new energy, infusing new blood. Does the youth of today, do the folks that want to be chefs now, do they have what it takes to get through that curriculum? They have what it takes if they want to have it, what it takes. If they if they really put their mind to it, their focus, and, and not think, oh, this is going to happen in a few years. No, it's a process. In order to be a master chef, you have to be a certified executive chef. That's about a 10-year process. Then you start on the journey of becoming a master chef. You have to gain maturity. I think that's the most important thing because... You can't really study for it, in my opinion. The best way to prepare for it is experience. Because experience entails so many different components and elements that ultimately allow you to perform at a test. Can you imagine a young person coming in, doing the test? Something goes wrong. Something always goes wrong. Murphy's Law is always there. That's right. But how do you react at that moment? Are you going to chastise your apprentice, which takes points off, because one of the criteria is how do you treat an apprentice? Or are you interested in solving the problem? Are you going to be so upset that you can't perform? I mean, that's experience. That's not, no book is going to tell you about that. That's something, I believe, somebody that's ready to take the examination got to have it in here. If there's no book in the world. Sure, people say, well, I'm going to lead up on uh, classical cuisine. Maybe so, but it's okay. Ain't going to do it. It's what you have in here. The future, the future. Um, the ACF itself, correct? What do you do to continue to reinvent and be relevant? Well, I can't speak for the ACF because I have some definite opinions on that I, I, are we talking about the MasterChef program uh, or listen, ACF? I, I, I'm talking ACF. Uh, listen ACF and, and also I know uh, a dichotomy all in itself right, right? but you have to understand that there's so t- there, there's it's a tight knit group as well ACF is on the verge of becoming irrelevant okay because they're really not focusing on you know on food I mean, I, when I was president of ACF, I said, it's food that we are. That's the only thing we are, that's the only thing we know. That's what we should talk about in a meeting. You go to an ACF meeting, but I, I do have to say the Denver chapter, for whatever reason, has done a great job in bridging that gap. But I'm talking for the rest 150 chapters. Please. It needs young, to be heard. Young people today don't want to sit in a room with a bunch of old chefs talking about stories of 50 years ago and drinking beer. That's not relevant anymore. To them, what's relevant is, if I sit here for two hours, what's the takeaway? What have I learned today? And if I have learned anything, I shouldn't be here. The other things I can do, family, develop myself. What's the payoff? Immediate gratification. So. You know, the only hope is that future leaders of the ACF begin to realize that and start to inject some relevancy, uh, particularly what it concerns uh, uh, old, uh, younger people. 
They're different than we were. They don't want to, if you tell them, oh, it's a wonderful job, you're going to work 18 hours a day, you already lost them right then and there. Wouldn't the same apply to certified master chefs with the uh, 10 years as an executive chef? I mean, listen, you're, you're already at that point in time needing to be relevant. I mean, you, that's a long time to be in any position. Right. But wouldn't the same thing apply to certified master chefs as it would to the ACF as far as what needs to be done to, to reinvent and to be relevant? Absolutely. Uh, to anybody. But... And we have done so. If you look at our examination uh, for the MasterChef that was streamlined, that was brought up today, that was uh, uh, basically reconfigured in order to meet the new trends of today, meet the new requirement. I mean, and, and this group is probably the catalyst that makes that happen because we are kind of divorced from the ACF. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be part of this bureaucratic uh, nonsense. I know some ACF people will object to what I say, but that's okay. Um, so we are looking simply at how can we make this test without losing the criteria, without losing you know, the meaning of what it takes to become a master, but to also make it relevant for the future. What's the answer to that? Are you the, Do the you feel you're there? Oh yeah, we are, definitely. The answer is a group like this that is totally independent. We're not influenced by politics, by association laws, by... What is the nonsense. influence? What is the influence, sir? The influence is only how to make it better. That's the only influence we go by. What makes a chef better? Talk about food understanding food, living food, and that's one component. The other component for MasterChef, that person has to become a businessman. That person has to transition from a uh, chef to a businessman. Helmut Holzer was speaking about the yeah. same exact thing. My, in my particular case, back in the 80s, I was the only MasterChef in America with an MBA. That allowed me, basically, to become the president of the Colony Institute of America because there was no other chef around that had that criteria. And it's that transition that chefs and master chefs have to make because that allows them to move up in the organization, that allows people that work under him or her to create uh, upward mobility. It's, it's just that kind of dynamics. Yeah. Um Ferdinand Metz, chef, uh, what's next for you? To help make the program viable, make it uh, relevant, uh, make it grow. And uh, that's why I went to Michigan to, you know, Michigan and this time of the year is not the most desirable spot to be. <laughs> but uh, we, we did a new test. We had three uh, new master chefs graduating. And I could say, in my stage in life, I could say, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And I probably don't, but that's not the point. I, I, I really don't need it, but I want to do it. If I can contribute something, if I can uh, point out some things, and, you know, after, after we did the testing, I wrote a one-page constructive critique of the program. What should be done, what shouldn't be done. Now, if that... Um, made some bureaucratic um, um, waves yeah uh, or uh, bureaucratic resistance mm -hmm. 
That's one thing. But I hope not. I think this group, as long as this group stays independent, they are a force. They are a force. And they can influence things. You don't strike me as a gentleman that curtails your thoughts. You, you're kind of a... Never have, you, never yeah, will. <laughs> which I appreciate, <laughs> never Jeff, will. I really do. There's, uh, one, there's one question that you didn't ask me yet. What about women? Come again? Women. Women? <laughs> women <laughs> master chefs. Yeah, listen. There's only a, one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Only one. She was one of my instructors at the Culinary Institute. The most talented person I've ever met in my life. Most talented. She taught every course. You know, some people only teach one course. She taught every one of our probably 30 different courses. She was so talented, that, but she couldn't stick with it. She had to move on from there to this, to this, to that. The only woman master chef. And I think that is, that is wrong in many ways because... Do you attribute it to the lack of desirables or do you attribute it to the lack of women that just don't want to be in what would be considered a male-dominated industry and have to put themselves up to scrutiny by other men? It's not that they want to be. Okay. They want to be. Okay. But what they face is a uh, uh, devastating, sometimes a devastating atmosphere, uh, which no man has to face. I noticed at the Cullen Institute, when I uh, retired, uh, we had over 50% women in the program. 50% now. They will change the, uh, the culinary world over time. They definitely will. But that doesn't help that 40-year-old woman chef today to get the same opportunities. And I think this is where we have fallen awfully short. Your advice to that 40-year-old woman chef? My advice is really to ACF and to the chefs out there and to do away with that. Um, I think it's, it's really a, a, a symptom that um, uh, really does not predict and, and tell the real story. Oh, a woman, oh wait a minute, she cannot lift heavy parts, she cannot stand the heat, she cannot work those hard hours. Put only to that. She can. And she has, but that, those are the barriers that are put up to women. And if you look around now, there's some famous French chefs, right, who, um, who would say, oh, a woman's place, and I'm sorry to say that, I'm quoting, mm. is in the bedroom, in the kitchen, at home, but not in a professional kitchen. That's what they're saying. They have forgotten. You take Lyon, one of the culinary capitals of France where women chefs Madame Brazier has an incredible restaurant they've forgotten about that and she is a restaurateur and a chef and has an incredible reputation and that holds true for many chefs now there are some women chefs who were determined enough in America to break the barrier, uh, talking about Lydia Shire from Boston, talking about Susan Feniger and Mary Sue Milligan from the Border Grill in Los Angeles, and uh, like Buchenkirch, that one master chef uh, I mentioned to you. There are women who have done it, but they've done it under so much pressure and so many obstacles. It's, it's really devastating and what the industry our industry has forgotten 
women, and I noticed it at the school, mm-hmm. are better students. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. Some of the finest chefs in Denver here, uh, Chef Jen Jasinski, Rioja, she's a great businesswoman, and she's also a phenomenal no. chef. Uh, uh, chef over there, Elise Wiggins. Elise Wiggins, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, and they're better, and they're better, uh, they're better cooks. They say women have more sensitivities to taste, aroma, flavor. Uh, they're harder working at the school. Our ever, most ever, highest graduating student was a young lady from Taiwan. I mean, it's Except but it's a stereotypical mm-hmm. image that uh, mm-hmm. this industry has is still perpetuating rather than facing the reality. Invite women in because if they don't come to you, they're going to be gobbled up by other industries. And what are you going to do then? Powerful, very yeah. powerful. I mean, Chef Ferdinand Metz, I've got chills, and you're a visionary, and you're an influencer, and you're somebody who's so steadfast in your beliefs and your strength. I believe in I, it. I, Absolutely. I am so thrilled that you speak up and you talk about these things because you know what, Chef? It's going to make other people think. Right. And and if there's going to be change, it takes big influencer, right. influencers like yourself to be able to recognize that. And I may get that. some emails, but that's okay, too. Hey, I think, <laughs> I think your shoulders are broad enough, They're Chef. They're broad enough. No what, problem. What do you think? Okay. okay. You got it. <laughs> it's a great job. Okay. What a fantastic interview, Chef. Thank you. Uh, so nice ple- uh, can, can we rejoin each other at, a, at another point in time? Because I'd like to follow this. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a great storyline. Oh, you mean at home, over the phone at home, or uh, over or, the phone at home? Or where, here? where are you living these days? San Diego. San Diego. Near San Diego. I lived in San Diego for a little while. La Mirage. Yeah. Up off the Friars Road. Nice 15. place. Nice place. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. I love San Diego. So cool to catch up with you. What are you doing in your spare time? Do you have any? I have the Master Chef Institute. The Master Chef Institute is testing food service products and equipment for the industry. So we deal with major multinational companies like Unilever, Frenchers, Heinz, Tyson, you know, all those kind of people. They come to us and they ask us to test their products. And uh, in fact, some of the chefs here... Are you as outspoken as well within the corporate industry? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of of uh, uh, pushback against big business and big business products sourcing and those types of things as well. Are, are you well, just as outspoken with to, those? You have to just understand the context of it. The context is: Does this product of this company? How does that compare to their main competitors? Mm-hmm. That's all. It's not our judgment whether that is a good. Uh, a useful product for the public or not. That's not our point is to compare and to do extensive testing. Extensive. I mean, we did a test for Unilever. That's about 107 pages. Uh, it talks about price value relationship. It talks about uh, marketing ideas. It talks about in detail how the test broke down. You know, by flavor, by color, by consistency, by aroma. And then how they were cooked. I mean, it's it's hugely expense, uh, extensive. Yeah. And uh, if a company and you know only twenty percent of the products that we test uh, have the opportunity to get our seal, mm-hmm. and our seal then um, will they can use that on products for a certain amount of yeah. time, and um, 
Yeah, it's, uh, I'd be thrilled to catch up with you on business, big business, uh, GMOs, the way Frankenfish, the way the food's big, going these days. It's a big thing. Uh, Monte Cristo, I'm sure you have. Uh, and people need to speak up about it. And chefs have been, in some cases, very proactive, especially California chefs. You know, they're sort of on the edge of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. When it became about uh, American, uh, to identify uh, American cuisine. They were right there, Waters, Jeremiah Tower, Derry, Gary Danko's, uh, Brad Ogden, uh, Jonathan Waxman, all, all those people. Can I get a quick opinion about something? Yeah. Okay, so uh, the Americans, we are laden with prescription drugs, okay, laden. Uh, I find that the, f the nutrition, foods, what we put in our body, and chefs being the experts of what we're putting in our right. body. And I'll, let me, I'll finish up here. No, no, no. I was going to brief my wife over. She's a doctor. Is she? Okay. And she I'm, is very much into that. I am into this She's as well. She's usually into that. I, listen, maybe we can do that as well. But I just wanted to get it. First blush, your opinion. So I've coined a term that I call pharma chefs because I believe chefs are really on the front edge of giving us the nutritional value that we look course, to as course, experts, right? Course. So, uh, rich foods, right? I mean, come from French cuisines and you'll add in reductions and butters and all. It, it, right. So deconstructing meals to its most simplistic form, right? And then building up that flavor profile right. from there as a service sure. to people. Sure. Wouldn't you believe? I think there's some truth to what you say and there's some myth to it and uh, you know when it comes it's not an issue of French or Italian or whatever cuisine it's not an issue because Mediterranean because would the, right, say different but they're all they're all based on the same principles namely use the best you have and do very little to it now I'll give you an example if you have a New Jersey beautiful tomato in the height of the season don't do anything to it don't screw around with it. Don't try to change it. If you have a hothouse tomatoes in the middle of the winter, do something. And I think that's the biggest constraint that I wish chefs would exercise by taking food and letting food be what it is and just enhancing it. Instead of making it taste like, you know, if you have a rack of lamb, let it be a rack of lamb. Mm -hmm. if, we, if we have a, uh, a beautiful salmon, don't, you know, some people get so creative, which is really not creative at all, to put spices on it that will cover the beautiful flavor of the salmon. Like uh, wrapping salmon with too much bacon to where then it turns into just bacon. You know what's wrong with that? There are two things. First of all, salmon is one of the fattiest fish in the world. Right. Now, why would you want to add bacon to it? <laughs> and secondly, people say, what kind of um, wine should I have with salmon? Oh, Chardonnay. Wrong. Chardonnay is one of the heaviest, fattiest white wines in the world. Because of its malolactic fermentation, it creates this, this very heavy, fatty uh, taste profile. So it's all about common cooking. It's all about common sense. But before you exercise common sense, you've got to understand the principles. And I, I think that uh, there's a lot to be done, a lot to be done along that line. Yeah. And yeah. you're not done. 
You're not done. You're not done at all. Chef, thank you so much.